Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Out to Beat podcast. It's your host, Katie Zaccardi, and I am so excited to dive into today's episode with Haley Francis Khan. Haley Francis is a music therapist based in Canada, and today we're talking all about music therapy. This is Music Therapy 101. You're going to learn about what it is, how it might be beneficial for you, if it's a good fit, and all of the really, really amazing benefits that come from music therapy, as well as some ways you can integrate this into your own life. So I've never talked to a music therapist before. This is a really fun conversation that Haley and I are having, and I'm really excited to bring this to you, especially as we are starting to get ready for the Uh, Doors opening to From Stress to Success, my signature course, which is focused on wellness and getting a really strong business and wellness foundation in your life and career so that you can build upon that to reach all of your goals without burnout. As we do that, I always love to talk about all of the ways you can do it. You know, a lot of people always ask me like, hey, I'm doing therapy. Is it worth me doing a program of yours? I don't know if I should do both. I think I'm going to opt out of one or the other. And I say, do everything you want to (laughs) do. Like more is always better in these circumstances. The more things you love, the more things that help you, the better. There's no reason to have to opt out of one to do the other thing. And if money is the reason why you're doing that, then of course my programs are designed to help you make more money. So Anyway, that's kind of a tangent, but I wanted to mention it because I really do think it's important to be talking about all of the other avenues that you can add on to your roster um, or to your toolbox of healing and helping yourself feel better and working through any things that you feel like you want to work through. So anyways... This episode is brought to you by my course from Stress to Success. Stay tuned because doors are opening next week. So follow me on Instagram at Katie Zaccardi for a very special announcement and a very special fast action bonus discount as well for that. All right, without any further ado, let's hop into today's episode with Haley. Hi, Haley, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. Hello, how are you? I am doing well. I am really excited for our conversation today because we have never had a music therapist on the podcast. So I am amped to to jump into this topic and hear a little bit more about what you do and how we can all learn something from music therapy. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be the first on. Thank you for having me here. Um, I think, you know, for me, my journey to music therapy wasn't, wasn't a seamless one. So Mm. I love to be able to come on and share more about my journey anytime I have the opportunity to. So I'm really excited. Hopefully there are people out there who may be curious about music therapy or, um, you know, have heard a little bit about it and want to learn more. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to, to, to let you know a little bit more about me and what I do. Me too. So let's dive in. Just tell us a little bit about how you kind of got here on your journey and what led you to becoming a music therapist. I guess I'll start right at the beginning. So I grew up in uh, Bermuda, which is a small island in the Atlantic. It's not quite part of the Caribbean, um, and it's just off the coast of the U.S., So if you can imagine, I was growing up in this dynamic place with lots of world influences and I was traveling all over the place, Um, but my family were very musical and I likely came out of the womb singing, (laughs) (laughs) but I picked up my first instrument at five or six years old. It was a trumpet and my mom was my, my music teacher and 
after that, I started singing in choirs and I picked up more instruments and began joining bands. Eventually, I knew this was more than a hobby and I started to take it seriously in the context of what I wanted to do with my future. Mm. So I researched careers thank goodness for Google, I researched careers in music because at that point I I didn't know about music therapy, but I knew I didn't have the passion to be a teacher or a performer. Mm. Yeah. And those were the only two paths that I had known of at that point um, in terms of a music career. So I stumbled across music therapy and decided to study that in university I completed a four-year degree, um, an undergrad degree at Acadia University in Canada, and completed the certification process outlined within our our governing board here in Canada um, for music therapy. And then I started working right away. I soon developed a passion to continue my learning and contribute to my community more. Uh, So I did a certificate in business at York University in Toronto, and I'm currently two months away from finishing my master's in aging and health at Queen's University. That's awesome. (laughs) Really excited about that. And I recently published a children's book about music therapy called Mandy's Mom, the Music Therapist and started a podcast about my journey as a music therapist, and that's called Able Voice Podcast. So I guess that kind of brings me to where I am today. That's so awesome. I got chills when you were talking about how your mom taught you trumpet because I'm like, my family's musical in that they love music, but I could not imagine being in a household where it was just like, oh yeah, here's how you do it. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, and I I think it was so backwards because my first instrument that I picked up was the trumpet. But when you go into primary school or elementary school, they the first instrument they give you to learn is a recorder. So it was backwards. I kind of learned this really great instrument first, and then I was handed this recorder. And my my music teacher at the time was like, oh my goodness, you're really good at the recorder. I was going to say, were you like a master (laughs) recorder player? (laughs) How that's possible, because I still to this day don't know how you can make the recorder sound good. (laughs) I agree with you, but I have to tell you this. I have been on TikTok a lot lately, and I came across this one hilarious video of someone um, playing a recorder and pretending she was in the pit at Les Mis, of Les Mis, and so she was playing like, like on the recorder. I was laughing my ass off, and she's pretending like she's gossiping, like when she doesn't have to play, and then all of a sudden she's- Oh my goodness. Still didn't sound good, but it's funny when people actually can, you know, hold the right notes and keep the airflow going and exactly. get the sound they're supposed to sound. Exactly. And so it's comical to look back now and think like, oh my goodness, there was this period of time as a kid where I took the recorder very seriously. <laughs> I, was that kid. I was that kid that took the recorder very seriously. And my music teacher noticed that and he was like, you should you should start playing the saxophone because seamlessly in terms of learning fingerings and, um, you know, the breath support that I needed for that instrument, I already had those fundamental techniques. So he was like, yeah, why don't you try, you know, this, this instrument? And that ended up 
uh, being the instrument that grew with me and was my principal instrument in university. That's really cool. So when you were looking at going to school, what about music therapy really stuck out to you as opposed to being a performer or um, being a teacher or any other route? I, I just loved the way that I knew music had influenced my life and the connection that I had developed in my own musical journey. I knew that there was more to learn about how that could be transferable and how I could use, I could um, manifest that same feeling for other people. Um, and so it was great. I, did, I didn't know much about it. So I, I, that was kind of the basic level I was working with is I know music does something for me. Uh, I wanna be able to help other people to feel that same way or to, to um, be able to address their, their concerns and their needs through music if yeah. they don't have the tools to be able to do that on their own. That's awesome. And that's kind of what I want to dive into today, because I think a lot of people believe that music is healing, right? It's like, and yeah. we have a lot of indie, indie or independent artists listening to this podcast who write music that's really close to home for them and maybe came from a place of helping them heal and helping them express themselves. And then other people listen to it and they feel the same way. So what's the difference though, between that sort of like music is healing we listen to music and we feel better kind of thing <laughs> versus like actually using music as therapy and in a very therapeutic way yeah so like music has been around for centuries we know that it has healing healing um elements it has healing powers we feel connected to it whenever we listen to it it's innate it's something that we respond to because of all its elements um you know, you can't go to a concert that you're really enjoying and not start tapping your toe. That's just, or, you know, nodding your head or moving. You're, you're physically connected to music in that way. Right. So um, I guess the, the, the clinical de definition of music therapy is um, that it is the intentional use of music and uh, it's musical elements to address clinical needs so that whether that's physical or cognitive or spiritual, emotional, social, and there can be musical goals within music therapy. I think that within our creative culture right now, self-care is so important in any profession, in any creative profession, when you're giving a hundred and ten percent of yourself and, and to your craft. Yeah. And, and so I feel like perhaps we are more likely to self-care because it's a part of our, our creative culture and, and um, the fabric of, of, you know, the kinds of things that we're interested in. It is even worked into parts of um, perhaps the experience of music making and art creation. I've been to concerts where self-care uh, actions are encouraged with within the audience and, and art exhibits. And it's a beautiful experience, but it's not music therapy. Right. So um, I guess the core difference is that music therapy requires a, a relationship between a certified practitioner. And that's the person who, like me, has the experience, has the training, and knows how to support whatever emotions and, or memories or physical responses that may uh, come up within therapy. Uh, so it's, it's the relationship between the practitioner and the client. And so while listening to music 
um, or creating a playlist that evokes a, a specific mood when you need it or, um, you know, those kinds of helpful and, and beneficial acts of your own self-care through music, they can be really healing. Um, it's not quite music therapy. It would be considered a therapeutic music experience for you. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like for those who do do music therapy, what it looks like in a session and what you might experience that, like you said, is different than just, you know, self-care at a show and incorporating that into our lives with music? Yeah. So um, sessions can look very different depending on the population that you're working with. So um, just keeping in mind that when, when you're engaging in music therapy, the, the person that's coming to you, your client, is coming with an intentional clinical need. So uh, just think about, um, you know, you're going to see a therapist that you can talk to, um, but instead of talking being the only medium that is used, we are also using music, music and musical elements to achieve some of the goals that you're coming for. So I think the main difference is, is maybe when you're in a music therapy session, you know, it's very intimate. Um, it can be one-to-one and you're working on very individualized and specific goals to that one person, or it can be um, intimate in a different way where you're working in a group setting and you all have identified needs that are similar um, or you, you have um, specific goal area needs that you, or socialization needs that you're coming into work in therapy for. So for instance, like there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who have um, anxiety or maybe depression or like mental health things. So is that like something that you could use music therapy for? It's like going to therapy, but instead of ther- regular therapy, it's music therapy. Exactly. What other things might people experience that they would use music therapy for? Yeah, so um, you you come to therapy, and it's it's exactly like if you were to ex- go to um, somebody who is sitting down on a couch and talking with you. Right. Um, maybe we come to your home. Maybe you come to us. And so, depending on your goals and your comfort level, again, the the therapeutic relationship is very important because you need to be able to trust one another mm. and be vulnerable enough to let some of those things that we work on come up, let yourself feel the experience. So whether that's, you know, I'm physically playing music for you and we're having a discussion about maybe lyrics or, or perhaps tonality or, um, you know, some of those musical elements, or we are discussing, um, you know, parts of your past that maybe were traumatic and, and why you think, you know, your feelings of anxiety, where where you think they stem from, um, all of that comes up within the therapy setting. Mm. It's just that we use music to tap into that Mm. and, you know, just talking because I find that for people who are creative, it can be easy to talk about those things and it's easy to to kind of um, delve into that area because we're really expressive people. We have that in our nature. Right. Um, but not everybody is like that. And, and music can just connect in such a way that's non-threatening. Mm. And it appears as if you're just doing something recreational. You're just having fun. You are 
doing something where you don't have to have your guard up in the same way as you might go into a therapy therapy session um, with somebody who's just talking with you. So I think for music musicians, it it's even better because they have that connection to music already. Yeah. They can take it that much further within in therapy, within music therapy, to really tap into whatever it is that they're needing to access in that moment and really thrive in a music therapy setting. So do you play live on your instrument or instruments when you're in a session or is it mostly yeah. like you're playing a track? Yeah, both. Um, mostly in my practice, I am playing live instruments. So, that's so cool. whether that's like, a, I have a full collection of little percussion instruments that I bring into therapy for mm. my clients to use. So it's not only me playing, they get to engage in the music making as well. Wow. Um, I, have, I bring my guitar, I bring, um, you know, my keyboard, my, my drums, my big like djembe drums and world drums. I have a darbuka drum and I have, you know, my saxophone that I still bring in every now and then. And then sometimes I'll bring in pre-recorded music. Like that has a time and space, but I think there's something really special about the live element of music making. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that it was a lot of just coming in and almost using the instruments as a way to get comfortable and let whatever you need to talk about or whatever you need to feel come through. That's so cool. My question for you though is, do you ever find musicians who might do this as a client or um, come in and then they can't quite break the like work versus the therapy line and like you know as a musician even though a musician is relaxing and it's creative if you do it for your job it's really easy to just be like I'm working or I just had a great idea or I just had a melody come or whatever like is it hard to ever make that distinction when you're kind of jamming out and, and it's supposed to be for music therapy yeah well you know what because it's a therapy environment I feel like there's nothing that you can do to overstep the bounds. As long as you, the therapist knows how to how to be a container for you and support you. And, and if you have these creative ideas, like we're gonna run with them, you know, and see where that takes us. But there are times when when it's hard to break that wall because it's also your job. And, and so I will say that if that is a continuous feeling for somebody in therapy, that, you know, music therapy, like any therapy might not be for that person. Mm. Um, but I also, so it's funny that you bring that up because actually in my, um, in my caseload right now, I see a bunch of retired musicians or, or people who were musicians throughout their life and have now developed dementia. Sometimes they can still remember the fact that they have this connection to music and they can, they can remember their lifelong experiences with music and they're now reaching a point in their life where perhaps, you know, their voice is changing. So they can't sing the same, uh, in the same way that they, they were able to in their younger years. And they're experiencing grief or, mm. you know, they have dementia and they can't remember. Maybe they play piano throughout their life and they are experiencing dementia and they can't play at the same level of proficiency that they mm. were once were and so they're experiencing this grief and you know 
are struggling really badly with, with the idea of I'm not good enough or I have lost just this big part of my life that was so meaningful and I can't access that because there's a certain part of us as musicians that continue to reach this kind of ecstasy every time that we perform or we do something that we feel really accomplished in and we continue throughout our careers to just find that and feel that over and over again and when you lose that it's almost like you know you're going through a withdrawal period yeah it's, it's very serious yeah wow so what kind of patients do you normally work with i work with um ad- older adults that uh have dementia and alzheimer's or some sort of um you know physical ailment Um, in long-term care. I also work with adults that are recovering from stroke Mm. and uh, children with autism or developmental disability um, and learning challenges. So how does the music therapy help them over or like kind of differently than any other therapies for those kinds of people? Yeah, so with children, um, especially children in autism in the school system, you know, attention and focus is a big part of um, their condition. And it's difficult for them to sit in a classroom all day and, you know, learn in the same way that everybody else does. And so music is just another avenue to access parts of their brain that um, are more it's a more intentional way of connecting with them and it's a more engaging way to connect with them. And sometimes, you know, that works better than them just sitting in a classroom, (laughs) but you can actually form, you know, those relationships and focus on, you know, tangible materials that they might've learned in class. Yeah. With adults that are recovering from stroke, you know, their brain is um a mess afterwards and music is just this magical thing that it it is present on both sides of our brain so if they have lost access to one part of their brain music can still help them to access other parts of their brain and Mm. so maybe they've lost their language center then we learn to to speak Um, or sing speak using the opposite side of their brain um, and tap into those memories um, that are attached to musical moments and maybe musical motifs and um, lyrics that they grew up with as as children and it can also help them to access those emotive centers in their brain and so it really is a full body experience as well um, encouraging them with physical movement. So being that cue for them to, to move when they don't have that internal, you know, I'm supposed to put one foot in front of the other anymore, or I need to lift my hand up this high. It's just a motivator for them to be able to know and keep in time with, um, you know, their movements because rhythm is a big part of the musical experience. So their physical rhythmic centers happen to the the rhythmic center of music right. and they connect in order to help one another. And and then with older adults who have dementia, it's just like 
this is something that hangs on in your memory. The music center is, is the last thing to go when you are, um, when that d- disease is progressing. And so why not music? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you see a lot of videos of, um, of people in nursing homes who have dementia or Alzheimer's and they sit at the piano and they can, rem- they can still remember that. So it really does seem like such a powerful tool to, like you said, tap into all these different areas of the brain and really get people almost working on strengthening their weaknesses. If Is that accurate to say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, even something as small as, as trying to maintain that independence, like grasping a, a fork when you're an older adult and losing that mobility in your hands you know, when you're playing the piano or when you're, you know, grasping a drumstick and and playing on the drums or grasping a shaker and, you know, playing that, you're working on those fine motor skills that you need for everyday skills, such as holding a cup or picking up a fork. And so you're working on maintaining parts of who you are as an individual um, and maintaining them throughout your life course. So is there talking during the session? And if so, how much of the session are you talking versus just kind of like working with the music and feeling the music and letting the emotions come out through that? Yeah, I think it's kind of a balance and it also depends on what, you know, what's happening in each session. Some sessions can be more music heavy and some sessions can be more talking based, um, and some might not have any words at all. Sometimes it's just like exploring through the music itself and, and just the music is leading mm. the session. So it really depends on, on what that person is coming in and needing or what their, their mood state is that day. And, you know, just letting first and foremost, the music lead, if they're willing to talk after something, then, um, you know, that's encouraged as well. Or if I need to, you know, ask for informed consent or explain an activity that we're going to do just so that they um, are on the same page and and know what to expect. Um, I think that's mostly what I would do in terms of talking. That's so, so interesting to me. Oh my gosh. Because I'm just trying to like picture this in my, my brain. I've never done music therapy before. I've never really done any therapy before. When I was diagnosed with anxiety, I was recommended by my PCP like, eh, try cognitive behavioral therapy. But it was such like a brush off thing. And at the time I was still really cocky of like, it'll be fine. I don't need anything that I just didn't end up doing it. Yeah. But to me, I also feel like sometimes with therapy, it does feel like a lot of pressure. And it's kind of ironic that I'm saying this as a coach, because with my clients, obviously a lot of what we do is talking. Sometimes we'll do other exercises, but it's a lot of talking, but music therapy, it really feels for me, it feels really intriguing and aligned because I like the idea of being able to go in and use music as a tool, either to be the center or have the option to talk and play. And Mm -hmm. not only that, I feel like music can change your state. It can be a vehicle for, um, enhancing a state so to say in the meaning like if you're sad and you put on music that like really helps you do that it can help you work through those emotions yeah like if you're playing a drum and you're playing like an upbeat 
beat or something like that, like it can get you hyped up and really change your mood. So I feel like there's just so many different benefits that just from hearing you talk, I'm really, really, really curious about. But my question out of all of that is for someone, for instance, who might have anxiety and is recommended like maybe try therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy or something, what would be the reason to try music therapy and how do you figure out what's really the best fit for you if you're new to all this entirely? Yeah. So perhaps like you said, in in your experience, sometimes the other therapies seem too intimidating and perhaps this already feels like you have a one up in music therapy because it's something that you already know and have connected with in the past. And you know, it's very non-invasive when you're, when you think that you already, um, know about the subject or you know about what you're getting yourself into. So that's one reason. Another reason is that, you know, you innately, you have those skills already as a musician to be able to go into a therapy setting and then take those and use those in your own time and and continue to grow and develop those skills on your own if you wanted to. So, you know, it's, it's really, I would recommend um, all musicians to go and find some form of therapy, Mm. but um, especially, you know, music therapy, if you haven't tried it already, I think that, you know, you, you, your world might open even more in terms of even the way that you think creatively and the way that you go about your career creatively. Yeah. And you said something in there about being able to take what you learn and kind of hone it, work on it. Is there any element of music therapy that we can use on our own or do, um, I don't want to say without a therapist, but maybe like after having worked with a therapist, be able to utilize those tools on our own so that we yeah. can use these as like an ongoing thing rather than just like a, oh, I'm going to therapy this week and this is my like one shot to <laughs> do this work kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, because you have those musical skills, I think any music therapist that you work with would encourage you, like they're going to give you not homework, but like tangible things that you can do outside of therapy if they know you can. So um, like you'll leave with with things to work on throughout your week or throughout your month um, that you can do. And even if that's as simple as setting your intentions before you come into a space of music making or setting your intentions before, you know, perhaps you have performance anxiety and setting your intentions before you go out on stage, um, you know, ways that you can manage those feelings of anxiety within your day-to-day life. That's the goal of any therapy is to give you tools that you can manage your day-to-day life. And it's no different in music therapy. I love it. I love it. It sounds so good. So you have a book and a podcast, but first tell us about your new children's book that's out. Yeah, I'm so excited. So I guess I should stop maybe saying it's new, but I think I'm going to keep saying it's new until <laughs> it's pa- past a year old. Until it your just- second book is out and then <laughs> yeah. that's your new book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to keep playing that up. Um, but yeah, I, I wrote this children's book primarily because of two reasons. One, I was speaking to a lot of music therapists in my field 
who had similar stories to me. They didn't know about music therapy until they were looking for careers to study in university. Two, after I became a music therapist, I kept getting the question, what is music therapy? I kept getting the, or the comparison of, oh, she's the music lady, she's the music teacher. <laughs> so I figured in my head, how do I, you know, respectfully <laughs> um, manage all of those questions that I continually get? And how do I help to push this profession forward so that more people know about it and more people understand what it is? So this book came to life, Mandy's Mom, the Music Therapist. It basically just details what um, a music therapist does throughout the day. It's set in long-term care, but it's very universal. You can think of it in, in multiple settings, but mm -hmm. I think just for this first book, as we <laughs> say, it's, it's set in, in long-term care. So um, yeah, go, go and find it, go and pick it up. Um, yeah, I'm excited for everybody to have their hands on it and to learn a little bit more about what music therapy is and perhaps, um, you know, start digging into other resources that we have because something at this basic level didn't exist. All we had were like these big textbooks or these confusing definitions on Google and, um, you know, research and literature. And it just like, it can be overwhelming if that's your first introduction to music therapy. So this is a beautiful uh, condensed version of all of that information with beautiful pictures. And um, so it's a great experience for children, but also for families. Yeah. And you know, that you, for me, bring up an interesting question of like, I knew what music therapy was. I mean, I'm in the music world, so I guess I've heard of it before, but I've never really learned this much about it um, as I am speaking with you right now. So how can people, how can we in general, number one, talk about music therapy for and, and more and make it more well-known, but also too, for anyone who's actually interested, I didn't think to ask this until now, but how can you find a music therapist? Like, can you just go through your insurance and find one? Or do you need to just do some hardcore Googling? Like what's the best way to find, <laughs> um, find one easily and really bring this to light more and make it more commonplace to do music therapy? Yeah. So I guess you'd have to have the knowledge uh, of knowing where to go. So that's step one. Um, if you type in music therapy in your area, um, there, there's probably a, a, a cohort of therapists that have created a website or something for you to go and look and search for a music therapist. The biggest ones that I can think of, you're in the States, right? Yeah. I was going to say you're in Canada. So <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what the healthcare is like there. It's probably much different from here. Yeah, in the States, but. It's a little different, but, um, same principles, I think in the, in the U.S. especially. So there's a, there's a stream of music therapy called neurologic music therapy, which I also have the training in. And I know for a fact that in the U.S., part of your therapy can be covered or most of your therapy or all of it can be covered through insurance if you find an NMT. Mm, so okay. you can go and search. They have their own website if you just uh, type uh, neurologic music therapy and it should come up the Robert F. Um, Unifer 
Academy of Neurological Music Therapy. That should come up. And there's a list on their website of all the music therapists um, that they've trained. And you can find according to name, you can find it according to your city, all of that. So that's a great resource for you to use. If you have any Canadian listeners, um, there's the Canadian Association of Music Therapy and you can go on their website or if you're in Ontario where I am, you can go on to the Music Therapy Association of Ontario and they actually have a button where you can just find a therapist. And nice. you, look, yeah, <laughs> you look at your um, where you are, your city, and you find one. Um, also, I think in the U.S., if you just want to find a, a regular music therapist, perhaps they are a, an NMT, um, but maybe not, is the CBMT website. And that's the Certification Board of Music Therapists. Okay, And you awesome. can find all the certified music therapists. Um, actually, now you can find all of the certified music therapists that are in Canada and the U.S. on that website because we all take the same certification process. That's awesome. And for those of you who are in the States, I, I would imagine if most insurances will cover um, your therapy that you can go on your insurance website and go to find provider through your insurance, Google an NMT practitioner, and hopefully people will come up. Um, I don't know for sure, but, but that's just what I'm guessing based on my own experience with insurance providers. So fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, but I know for sure if you go and look up an NMT, then part of your therapy experience will be covered by insurance. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about the podcast. Yeah. So my dear friend and colleague, Kimberly Dolan and I, we both are working here in Kingston and we decided to start this podcast um, just because we didn't feel there were any music therapy podcasts coming out of Canada and from the Canadian perspective. And there are a couple from the U.S. that are really lovely podcasts, um, but we wanted to add to that and, and continue this kind of desire to advocate and talk more about what music therapy is and our unique journeys to becoming music therapists. So we have talked we've done about seven episodes now and you know we're starting to get better and and learn a little bit more about the whole recording process and and just how we're feeling as co-hosts and vibing off of one another right because i think that that takes a little bit of time as well but we're getting there and um you know we're really starting to put out some really great content so if you're interested in learning more about music therapy and learning about really interesting and unique professionals in the field of music therapy that are doing awesome things, then come and find Able Voice Podcast. It's available on most anywhere you can find your, your podcasts and, you know, subscribe so that you get the notifications as well. That is awesome. So obviously people can find you and connect with you through the Able Voice podcast, but where else can we keep up with you and work with you even? Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at MTA Haley. So Haley is spelled H-A-Y-L-E-Y. And I feel like I have to make that distinction because Haley can be spelled so many different ways. <laughs> That's true. It's a very versatile name. <laughs> and um, my website is www.mtahaley.com. On my website, you'll find everything. 
You'll find um, there are copies of my book that you can purchase from my website. There are monthly blog posts that I do that are informative this past month because of all of the things happening in the world. I recently created a free resource for anti-oppressive practices in music therapy or just in general, if you're wanting to learn more about anti-oppressive approaches and um, actively being anti-racist, you can go and, and download that free resource. Um, and then also the Able Voice podcast, that's where the home of the podcast is on my website and just many other goodies. So there are hidden discounts and um, you can sign up for the newsletter where you'll also get continued discounts and uh, full access to everything that's happening before anybody else knows. I love it. We love discounts here on the podcast. So <laughs> definitely yes. go find those on, on Haley's website. <laughs> yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Haley, for coming on and giving us the 101 on music therapy and if it's a good fit for anyone who's listening and is curious about exploring themselves a little bit more and exploring different forms of therapy. So is there anything else you'd love to mention to our audience before we hang up today? Stay creative and stay creating. It's always needed in this world that we continue to hold firm to, you know, our creative abilities and, you know, the way that we connect with and portray art within our society. I think it's the most important way for us as, as humans to really tap into that social emotional side of who we are as people. And I never want to lose that within our, our societies, whether that's wherever you are in the world, like it's just so universal to be able to connect in those ways and so yeah just if you're thinking about pursuing a creative field i'd encourage you to have no boundaries on what you can accomplish there awesome that's perfect way to wrap up <laughs> thank you so much Haley, for coming on today uh thank you for having me thank you so much for listening to the out to be podcast if you like this episode be sure to share it with a friend and if you haven't already rate and review it on apple itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts that really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.